Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Oh, my God! Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun, old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Welcome back to another bonus Thursday episode of Tis the Podcast, the podcast determined to keep the Christmas spirit alive 365 days per year. That's right, all year, every year. And thanks again for joining us for another installment of Another Christmas Story. This week's chapter, chapter 21, will be read to you by yours truly. Before we get to it, though, there are a few pieces of housekeeping I want to go over. Firstly, we want to apologize in advance that this upcoming Monday there will be no new episode of Tis the Podcast dropping in your main feeds. We know this is the second time in three weeks this is happening. We had every intention to record a Smoky Mountain Christmas with April Riley as our guest, but... As so often happens, life has other plans. As y'all know, Julia was on vacation in Florida the past few weeks, but in addition to that, both myself and one of the other two L's just suffered familial losses. I lost my cat, Shelly, a few weeks ago, and that's been really hard to deal with, and I won't get into the other familial loss. I'll let the elf in question talk about that on their own time if they so choose. But I do want to take a minute to memorialize Shelley because I know she's just a cat, but anyone who has pets knows that pets are never just animals. They're truly family. So Sarah and I got Shelley at five weeks old back in 2013, and she was just about to turn eight years old this upcoming July which I know is young for a cat, and we thought so too, but when she was a kitten, she was diagnosed with FIV, which is the feline equivalent of HIV. So the vet said while she could live a very normal life, usually cats diagnosed with this only have half the lifespan of a regular cat because once they reach that older age, their immune system starts to fail them, and they can't fight off even common sicknesses that cats normally suffer, like a simple cold or a UTI infection or something. So at the time, while we were heartbroken about that news, we thought eight years is a long way off, you know, we won't have to worry about it for a while. And even this year, like, Shelley just seemed so normal and so young. It wasn't even in our minds. And then two Saturdays ago, we noticed she wasn't holding down food or water, so we thought it might have been just a simple case of dehydration because it's been hot here recently. So we took her to the emergency vet in our local hometown and they ran tests on her and it turned out to be complete kidney failure. On top of which she had no white blood cells 
to speak of, which meant that even if it wasn't kidney failure, if it was just a kidney infection and they were able to fix it, she would have been prone to getting very sick very quickly because she had nothing in her body to fight off disease anymore. So you could imagine our shock and horror and sadness that we took her to the vet thinking it was just dehydration and she would get fluids and be fine and we could take her home to learning we would have to put her down that day. It was the hardest day of our lives this past week. Two weeks has been torture. You know, when we got Shelly, I only agreed to getting a cat because our apartment wouldn't let us have dogs at the time. I was never a cat fan and Shelly showed me just how wonderful cats could be. She was adorable. She was so loving and cute and so involved in our lives. And she was so mothering and nurturing and talkative. And she loved to cuddle. And the apartment has just felt so much emptier without her. Again, those of you with pets know pets are family, not just animals. And on top of which, Sarah and I don't have a family of our own yet, like in terms of children. So she was our fur baby. She was our baby. So it's been extremely hard. You know, working from home this past year and a half, she would always climb over my desk, across my keyboard and computer. And it was annoying at the time, but like, I miss it now. I would give anything for her to interrupt meetings or calls again. And she used to put in appearances on the podcast while we were recording, climb into view of the camera. She'd sit with me while editing episodes. And come Christmas time, she loved lying under the tree and lying in front of the manger. She loved the lights. And, and frankly, I just miss her so much. And it's it's hard. And it will be hard for a long time. And, and not just for me and Sarah either, but Dexter, who we also adopted at five weeks. He came in off the street with Shelly. Has, it's heartbreaking seeing him slowly come to the realization that Shelly is not coming back. Every time we give him treats, he looks around because he knew whenever we got the treats out, Shelly would come running because she loved to eat. And during the day while I'm working, I'll see Dexter slinking around, checking all of Shelly's favorite hiding spaces, looking for her. And it breaks my heart. And even though Larry didn't really know Shelly that much, we only just got him this year, he has been a huge comfort. He's, you know, dogs just know, right? So every time he sees me or Sarah crying or just in a very down, depressed place, he comes and just sits as close as he possibly can to us, resting his head in our laps, licking the tears away. He has been great. And yeah, it's, like I said, I, it's hard. We are lucky to have Dexter and Larry still because if we came home to a completely empty house with no fur baby, it would be even harder. But the fact that they're here makes it a little bit easier. Though as Dexter and Shelly were the same age and came in off the street together, we are very aware of the fact that he was also diagnosed with FIV at the same time she was, and keeping a close eye on him in the hopes that the universe won't take him away from us as soon as it did Shelley. So life in the Crusoe household has been hard recently, and it will be hard for a long time. Sorry I'm starting off this episode in such a gloomy way, but I wanted to talk about it because one, a lot of you have reached out via social media to co express condolences, for which I am extraordinarily grateful. And two, Shelly was such a special cat, she deserves as many people as possible to know about her and to 
have such a public eulogy, and I wanted to do that to honor her, because I'm looking for ways to honor her. I mean, again, she was my baby, and this is the least I could do. And I use the term eulogy loosely. This wasn't a proper eulogy. It's more of a, I just want to talk about it and list off some of her good qualities, if I wanted to give her a proper eulogy. There would be so much more to say, but I've already kind of rambled on for like seven minutes and I don't want to take up any more of your time with things that you are not here for today. So I'll just end this section of today's show by saying, Shelly, directly that I love you and I miss you and I will forever. And I'm looking forward to the day where we can be reunited at the Rainbow Bridge again. And I hope you're okay. And that you're getting all the belly rubs and treats that you could ever want up there. So listeners, thank you for indulging me there. Moving on to more relevant news to this week's chapter of Another Christmas Story. This chapter focuses on Alex and Mary. And as we know and have established from previous chapters, Mary has an English accent now from living abroad for the past decade or so of her life. So when I read her part, I will be doing an English accent. And I use the term English accent very loosely. So I just want to take a moment to apologize to all of our English listeners. Rebecca Bowl, Stephen Beach. I can't do an English accent to save my life, or at least a very good one, but I am going to try with this chapter. Because all of our listeners thus far have done amazing voices and accents to varying degrees of success, and I'm not going to drop the ball with my own story. So apologies in advance. I hope y'all can look past that and still enjoy this week's installment. So without further ado, let's get to chapter 21 of another Christmas story. Enjoy! Chapter 21, Sleigh Ride, December 24th, 12.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The snow was coming down heavier than ever as Joey and Mary sat side by side in the back of the carriage slowly trundling through Central Park. Mary stared around at the idyllic surroundings, reminiscing about their long-gone childhoods as she watched laughing children chucking snowballs at one another and couples holding hands as they skated around Walman Rink. Smiling to herself, she turned to Joey and remarked, You know, I think you were just as bad at ice skating as I was good. You had no balance. You never used to be able to let go of the wall without falling flat on your face. Joey nodded with a laugh as he remembered. You'd be surprised how much better I've gotten since then. I'll believe it when I see it, Mary winked as they crossed over a stone bridge that stretched above a lake of frozen water below. Well then, let's go. Joey jerked his head in the direction of the ice rink they just passed, a mischievous glint in his eye. It'll be fun. Mary rolled her eyes. My feet? I know, I know. Your feet are sore. They need a massage. Are you offering... Not a chance. It could be your Christmas gift to me, Mary replied with a grin. Besides, toes are an erogenous zone, you know. Joey blinked, bemused. Are they? When Mary's grin widened in response, he shook his head in order to clear his mind, feeling very flush all of a sudden. 
Not that it matters, but your feet didn't seem to bother you when you were dancing across that piano at the toy store. It was all the adrenaline flowing through me at the moment, Mary pointed out before adding in a teasing manner. No means no, Joseph. All right, all right, I'll stop, Joey promised at the small laugh, throwing up his hands in surrender. It was just a suggestion, that's all. Mary smirked, and the two fell silent as the horse drawing their carriage began to circle Bethesda Fountain. Glancing skyward, the woman shivered noticeably. I'm freezing. She began to rub her gloved hands together. Joey turned to glance at the woman, who bit down on her lower lip hesitantly as she stared up into his eyes. Before he could say anything to her, however, the cabbie glanced over her shoulder. There's a blanket under your seat, as well as a therms full of complimentary hot chocolate and two paper cups. Mary's eyes widened in excitement. Hot chocolate, thanks. As the cabbie turned to face front again, Joey reached beneath the seat and felt around for the thermos and cups in question. Are you sure it's okay for you to drink this? He asked Mary as he straightened up again and began to pour two cups of the liquid. It's a little late to ask, no? Considering the fact that you bought me a cup back in the Winter Village? Mary winked at the man beside her, who blushed at the words. Besides, have you ever heard of a pregnant woman who doesn't like chocolate? I've never heard of a woman who doesn't like chocolate, period. Joey passed her a cup of the steaming liquid. I just wanted to double-check, that's all. Well, that's very sweet of you. As Mary sipped at her drink, which immediately began to warm her up, Joey leaned down to pull a blanket out from beneath their seat and throw it over the pregnant woman. Are you not cold? she asked, concerned. Joey shook his head and held up his own cup of hot chocolate. This is warming me up just fine, he insisted. Mary rolled her eyes as she shifted to sit closer to her childhood friend. Don't be ridiculous, she reprimanded him as she adjusted the blanket to ensure that it covered both of them. It's big enough to share. Joey felt his breathing become shallower, extremely aware of the fact that their shoulders rubbed up against each other beneath the blanket. As they sipped at their drinks in silence, he glanced sideways at Mary's to see that she appeared lost in her thoughts as well, and he wondered whether or not she was thinking the same thing he was. Apparently, she had been, for moments later she smiled sadly. It's been a long time since we shared a blanket together. Ten years to the day. The words rolled off of Joey's tongue automatically, taking the woman by surprise. Not that I'm counting or anything, he quickly added with a shrug. Mary laughed as she pressed closer to him, ignoring Natalie's earlier warning that was now playing through her head. I still can't believe it's been that long. In fairness, Joey began with some trepidation. We hadn't really been friends all that much for a few years leading up to that point. Probably my fault. Mary's stomach lurched guiltily. Joey blinked, surprised by the woman's words. It's not your fault. Mary snorted in disbelief. It's not, he insisted emphatically. It's, it's neither of our faults. We just... We didn't have anything in common anymore. He gave a half-hearted shrug as he swallowed hard. That's what I said, right? Mary asked, taken aback by the fact that Joey seemed to remember their final fight as vividly as she did. Well, honestly, I was stupid. A laugh of bitter annoyance escaped from her lips. I should have... It's just, when we hit high school, I... You know, I fell into the wrong crowd, I guess. Let's be real, Mary. Natalie's hardly the wrong crowd. Now I know, Mary agreed. She fell into it too. We were young, naive. 
You remember what high school was like. We just wanted to fit in. Joey nodded his understanding. Trust me, I get it. There are zero hard feelings between us. We don't have to relive the past. Really? Really. Joey flashed her a warm smile. Thank you. Mary replied before instinctively resting her head onto Joey's shoulder and shuffling even closer to him in an attempt to stay warm. Joey's breath caught in his throat at the action as a rush of emotion flooded through him. He knew that he should just leave things alone, but he couldn't. After all, he had promised Mary earlier that day that he'd be honest with her. I do have one question, though, he admitted softly. Mary straightened up in her seat and turned to face her companion, curious. What is it? That Christmas Eve, when you snuck into my bedroom, Joey began uncertainly. What the hell were you thinking? Mary laughed at the question. I was drunk, Joey. But coming on to me? Joey arched an eyebrow. What does it matter? Mary asked. It was ten years ago. Can't we just enjoy our ride through this winter wonderland? She motioned around them at the picturesque park, the snow on the ground seemingly growing higher with each passing minute. I just... I need to know. Mary sighed deeply as she turned to stare at a couple walking hand in hand along the icy Central Park path that their carriage was trundling along, whom they had just passed. Just past them, in an exposed area amongst the trees, a group of preteens were building a snowman, the sight of which brought a smile to her face. I was just lonely, that's all, she finally said, without turning to look at Joey. Don't flatter yourself, okay? No offense, but I would have come on to just about any guy that... But it wasn't just any guy, Joey interrupted, his voice firm. And you had just come from a party where there were tons of guys. So if you'd have come on to just about any guy, you'd have found someone there. Who's to say I didn't, Mary teased, turning to glance up at Joey once again with an eyebrow raised. When Joey merely stared down at her, no hint of a smile on his face, she rolled her eyes. Okay, okay, fine, since you're not going to drop it. She took a deep breath. The reason I climbed into your bedroom that Christmas Eve was because... Do you remember when you took me to that Valentine's Day dance in the seventh grade? What does that have to do with anything? Everything, Mary admitted with a laugh. Seventh grade was such a bad year for me. I was such a dorky-looking preteen. I remember, Joey teased. Mary playfully hit him beneath the blanket before continuing as though she hadn't been interrupted. I had just gotten braces, and I got my first period in Mrs. Fiorisi's English class. I was taller than all the boys in our grade, and my boobs barely needed a training bra. Joey laughed, remembering the girl exactly as she described herself, while Mary eyed him closely. I had no friends, but you didn't care about any of that. You stuck by me when nobody else did. And don't forget, this was at a time you were more popular than I was. I was never popular. You had more friends than I did in middle school, Mary pointed out. You had Ryan, you had that Indian kid Kunal, and what was that one guy's name? The heavyset one with the glasses. Josh, Joey replied, thinking back. Mary nodded. Exactly. Natalie wouldn't come along for me until high school. What's your point? Joey asked, unsure where the woman was going with this. Popularity isn't everything. 
The point is, you always made time for me, Mary stressed, as though it were the most obvious thing in the world. Always, despite having the boys to hang out with, you always spent the majority of your time with the dorky-looking girl next door. And that Valentine's Day dance in the seventh grade, you asked her to go with you, knowing how desperately she wanted to go, and knowing that nobody else would ever ask her. You made my whole year by doing that. You gave me the confidence to start believing in myself, and I will always be grateful for that. Joey stared into the woman's green eyes that were searching his blue ones, silently pleading with him to believe her. As he did so, he remembered having to look up into her eyes when slow dancing with her that night in question. Remembered it so vividly, it was as though it had happened yesterday. He could even see the pink, frilly dress that she had worn in his mind's eye. As he reminisced, Mary continued speaking. I remember how annoyed we always used to get growing up when our parents would joke that one day we'd end up married. But you know something? That night was the first night that I truly believed that maybe they could be right. Her cheeks turned pink at the words. You have no idea how much I wanted you to kiss me that night. Joey laughed before confessing. You have no idea how much I wanted to kiss you. I was planning on doing it all night. I was just waiting for the right moment. I had taken you outside under the pretense of needing some fresh air, do you remember? But before I could do it, Ryan found us, Mary smiled. I remember. God, he was always so socially clueless, Joey remarked, earning himself a laugh from Mary. Anyway, Mary continued, blowing snow out of her face. When we got to high school, and we were put into different classes, I guess it was just natural that we started growing apart and developing different interests. I mean, she shrugged. That's part of growing up, right? When Joey nodded, she continued. But I always, always felt bad for never making the time for you, or being there for you when you needed me, like you were always there for me when I needed you throughout middle school. So that Christmas Eve, when I climbed through your window, I... I just wanted to be there for you. That really was my intention. At first, anyway, she let out a humorless laugh. I mean, we used to spend every Christmas Eve together, just about, and... Well, I already told you that those nights are some of my favorite memories still. I knew you loved the holidays as much as I did, so I figured what better time to climb into your bedroom and be there for you than on our favorite night of the year. I know there's a but coming, Joey said softly as the woman stared down at the blanket covering their laps. But, she began, upon thinking back on it, I realized I didn't exactly have the most noble of intentions. Like I said, I was lonely. The football player I used to date, Brian, Joey supplied immediately. Brian, Mary smirked. Brian had just broken up with me a few days before. Because he was too cheap to buy me a Christmas gift of all the stupid reasons, she laughed. Anyway, I just wanted somebody I knew I could trust to keep me company. But once I found myself in your bedroom, I couldn't... I, I started thinking back to how I felt about you during middle school. Thinking back to the night we almost kissed and what might have happened between us if we had. So, yes, I came on to you. I wanted to relive that moment to see if we actually did have a connection. Joey found himself at a loss for words. 
His mind raced quickly, as a thousand possible questions flashed before his eyes, the most pertinent of them being, what would you have done if I did give in to you and we found out that we did have a connection? They had been so far removed from one another's lives at that point in time that the thought of them actually starting a relationship after that night was absurd. But instead, he asked aloud, Why didn't you just tell me any of this then? Would it have mattered? Mary asked quietly. I was drunk, and you'd have probably used that as an excuse for my feelings still. Mary, if I had known. Joey, don't. I would have at least apologized to you the next morning. Honestly, I didn't know what was happening. We hadn't talked in so long, and all of a sudden... I don't think the fact that I rejected you is as noble as you think. Mary furrowed her eyebrows at the statement. I mean, yes, I... I obviously didn't want to take advantage of you while drunk, even though I obviously would have in... Well, you know, any other time in a heartbeat. Mary smirked at the words. But really, my main concern was selfish. I didn't want you to get hurt. I just assumed that even if we had done anything, the next day things would have gone back to normal between us, and we'd continued to barely acknowledge each other in school, and... Well... I just don't think I could have handled that. Mary nodded her understanding. Well, that's what ended up happening anyway, isn't it? I'm not blaming you, she hastily added when Joey opened his mouth to speak. It's my fault. It's not. It is, Mary said emphatically. I should have never stopped talking to you in high school. I should have never climbed in through your window that night. And I should have apologized to you the next morning when I woke up and remembered what happened. It goes both ways, Joey insisted. Yeah, maybe you should have apologized to me, he conceded. But I should have apologized to you, too. It's not like I made an attempt to keep the friendship going, either, when I saw you drifting away. And I think we both said things at night that we shouldn't have said. Mary nodded her agreement. I mean, who knows where we'd be now? His final statement lingered in the cold, snowy, winter air as the two of them took a moment of silence to think about their past friendship and how different their lives might have ended up if they had just communicated better than the two high school students that they once were. Her baby's kicking finally brought Mary back to her senses, and she forced a smile onto her face as she shook her head to clear it. Well, it is what it is. We can't change the past. No, we can't, Joey agreed. But still, I'm glad you told me all of this. I'm glad we cleared the air after all of these years. It feels like a giant weight has been lifted off of my shoulders. Me too, Mary replied. It's nice to be talking again. Beneath the blanket, she patted Joey's thigh appreciatively and felt a shiver travel the length of her spine when Joey's fingers patted her hand in return. Their hands stayed touching for a few moments before Joey removed his from hers, at which point Mary let out a wistful sigh that she didn't realize she had been holding in. As the cabbie guided his horse and carriage back to the Fifth Avenue entrance of Central Park, the same entrance at which they had started, Mary and Joey sat in silence, staring around at the snow while lost in their own thoughts. Joey's words, who knows where we'd be now, kept replaying in Mary's head. Where would they be? Would her and Joey have remained friends for the past decade? Is it possible they'd have ever progressed to being anything more than friends? The thought made her feel weird inside. She felt a combination of wistfulness and also sadness. 
If they had gone down that path in life, she wouldn't be pregnant right now. And despite the fact that she was terrified of being a single mother, she was also excited about being a mother in general. So maybe it was for the best that she and Joey had had that falling out all those years ago. But at the same time, during their youth, there was always a distant part of her mind that always had believed that she and her next-door neighbor would end up together. He had always been able to make her laugh and feel better about herself. Even when they weren't speaking in high school, she had admired from afar as he grew into his looks. He had actually been quite cute, and she was sure that it had been because of his shyness and geeky interests that he wasn't more desirable by their peers. Even now, despite the few extra pounds he was clearly packing in his midsection, there was something extremely adorable about him, and it didn't hurt that he was spending the day helping to distract her from all of her worries. And at that thought, tears began to roll down Mary's face. Cursing herself, she subtly tried to wipe them away before Joey noticed, upset with herself for being unable to control her emotions. She honestly had no idea why she was crying. She couldn't gauge whether she was more depressed about everything that had happened between them in the past, combined with what had happened with Luke the night before, the idea of confronting her parents with a few hard truths that evening, and the idea of single motherhood, or whether she was having such a good day with Joey that she was just overcome with joy. Unfortunately, the horse-drawn carriage came to a complete stop at the entrance of Central Park at that moment, and Joey turned to witness her wiping away the last of her tears as he removed the blanket from their laps. "'What's wrong?' he asked, his voice full of horrified concern. "'Nothing,' Mary insisted, hastily wiping the last vestige of tears from her eyes before forcing a smile onto her face. "'Seriously, I'm just tired. Carrying around a baby full-time will do that to you.' "'Do you need a break?' Joey asked." I can walk you back to your hotel room so that you can rest if you want. Do you know what? Mary asked suddenly, staring around at the bundled up Denzians of Manhattan, hurrying past on the snow-covered sidewalk. I would love to see the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree. Do you think we can do that? Sure, Joey replied uncertainly, wary of the woman's hastily changing demeanor. Of course we can do that, but how about we drop our shopping off in your hotel room first so that we don't have to keep lugging it around. Fine, Mary nodded her agreement. Good idea. Joey removed a $50 bill from his wallet, which he placed in the hand of the outstretched cabbie, who was eyeing the two of them curiously. Thanks, buddy. No man, thank you, the cabbie insisted. Trust me, you were my most, uh, interesting customers of the week. And, uh, his eyes flickered back to Mary before addressing Joey out of the corner of his mouth. Good luck with this one, okay? Something tells me you're going to need it. Excuse me, Mary demanded, affronted. Joey rolled his eyes as he placed his hand on the woman's lower back. Just forget it. Let's go. Thanks again, he addressed the cabbie, who had begun petting his horse before steering Mary toward the crosswalk. How dare he, she ranted. Who does he think he is? We were paying customers, and... We? Joey winked. Mary's face fell as she sputtered. I... Of course I was going to pay you back. Let me... I'm joking, Mary. Joey rolled his eyes, exasperated, before the woman could even reach for her purse. That's just... Excuse me, do you two have a second? Joey and Mary stopped in their tracks at barely enough time to prevent themselves from running into the pretty, petite, college-aged blonde girl who had stepped in front of them to block their path forward. She was carrying a microphone in her hands, and behind her, a very handsome, muscular, brown-haired, bearded man that looked around her age stood carrying a large camera on his shoulder. My name is Elizabeth Meyer. I'm a journalism major at NYU, and my friend Noah here... What's up? The bearded man in question nodded at them, as Elizabeth motioned in his direction. 
are trying to collect footage for the university's new online streaming service, the girl continued, as though she hadn't been interrupted. We've been going around the city all day today shooting public interest stories and talking to people about the holidays, and... I'm sorry, Mary interrupted politely. I'm going to have to stop you right there. Do you see the size of me? She indicated her stomach. I don't need your camera adding an extra ten pounds to this. Look, it's Christmas Eve, Elizabeth pressed, a hint of desperation evident in her voice. We're just trying to do our job so that we can have something for our website tomorrow and we can go home to be with our families. She glanced at Joey, who felt a twinge of sympathy for the girl. I just want to talk to you and your wife about how you must be feeling, expecting your child this close to the holidays. Joey let out a bark of laughter that was drowned out by Mary's slightly louder cackle. I'm sorry, Joey began, in response to the look of confusion that passed between the two college students. It's just, we're not married. Oh, Elizabeth's eyes widened excitedly. Very progressive. I love it. Do you mind? No, I mean, we're not together, Joey clarified, indicating Mary's stomach. That's not my baby. It's a virgin birth, Mary quipped as she gently grabbed Joey's hand, taking him by surprise. Come on, let's go. She jerked her head across the street at the plaza before meeting the eyes of the dejected journalism major one last time. I'm sorry, she added, feeling a small swell of pity rising up within her as her baby kicked hard inside of her once again as though reprimanding her. I just really need to sit down. She placed a hand on her protruding stomach. I understand, Elizabeth said cheerfully, though Joey noticed that her smile didn't reach her eyes. Have a Merry Christmas and congratulations. Thank you, Mary replied. You too. Merry Christmas, Joey added, as he allowed Mary to guide him across the crosswalk, leaving the two student filmmakers behind. As they walked, the woman ranted about how she felt bad for not allowing them to interview her, even though she had many good, practical reasons for it. And as she began to list them off, Joey's mind drifted as he was overcome by disappointment. Mary had finally released his hand as he stepped onto the curb in front of the plaza. That was rude. Elizabeth rounded on Noah, irate at having been rebuffed by the wise-ass pregnant woman and her schlubby-looking male friend. Her irritation only increased, however, when Noah shrugged in response. What can you do? he asked rhetorically. You can't expect every single person you ask to agree to have a camera and a microphone shoved into their face. Even if it's just for our college website, he added as an afterthought. He realized it was the wrong thing to say, however, when his girlfriend visibly bristled. Just a college website? You know what I mean. No, Noah, I don't, Elizabeth snapped as she balled her hands into fists. She stared around at their surroundings from where they stood at the Fifth Avenue entrance to Central Park, her eyes flickering toward FAO Schwartz a few hundred meters away, with its two living toy soldiers flanking its front entrance and a line of people stretching around the block, waiting to get into the establishment, consisting mainly of exhausted-looking parents and young, excitable children. From there, her eyes drifted to the enormous glass cube bearing the Apple logo, indicating the spot where shoppers could enter the always overheated underground shop before flickering to people passing to and fro on their side of the street along the perimeter of the park. Horse-drawn carriages were lined up waiting for unsuspected tourists to drop an obscene amount of money in order to take a ridiculously short ride through the snowy park while a group of police officers stood further down the street conversing as they casually stood watch over the busy area. 
Across the street, a few feet away from the entrance to the plaza, which the couple who had just rebuffed her were walking toward, she spotted a Salvation Army Santa Claus, ringing his bell enthusiastically in order to collect money. Her eyes stayed fixated on him for a fraction of a second longer than any of the other sights, for he looked eerily similar to the one she had interviewed earlier in the day in Times Square. Liz, Noah began quietly, his guilty voice drawing his girlfriend back to her senses. I didn't. It's bad enough that my parents don't take my aspirations seriously. What are you talking about? Of course they do. I just wish you, as my boyfriend, would, okay? Elizabeth finished, as though she had not been interrupted, her voice pleading. I know it's just a stupid website, and in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter. I do. But the body of work I contribute to it will matter when it comes time to find internships and jobs after college. All of it is going to make up my portfolio starting out, so this is important to me for my future. I'm sorry, Noah mumbled, flushing red with embarrassment. I... Of course you're right. You are. I guess I haven't been taking that into account. The cold and the snow and the fact that I'm working on Christmas Eve have all been getting to me, I guess. He smirked apologetically. So I blame the holiday stress. Elizabeth let out a small laugh as he continued. And I'm sure your mother is stressed about the holidays, too, and her worry about how you're going to get home in this weather is only adding to it. He placed a comforting hand on her shoulder as she gave a snort of derision. Your parents believe in and support you. How do you know? You've never met them. I can tell based on what you've told me about them, Noah insisted. And look at you and your siblings. You don't get to where you all ended up without parents who support and believe in you along the way. I guess, Elizabeth begrudgingly admitted, folding her arms across her chest as she shivered. I know, Noah stressed. Trust me, have I ever steered you wrong? Elizabeth rolled her eyes at the smirk. I can't say that you have. She sighed deeply. <sighs> I'm sorry, okay? I know I've been a bit demanding today. Today? Noah raised an eyebrow. But let's just chalk it up to holiday stress, she suggested, ignoring his joke as she threw his own words back at him. Don't stress. So what if two people wouldn't stop to let you interview them? You struck out once today. Look who you have interviewed. And before his girlfriend could stop him, Noah began to rattle them off on his fingers. He interviewed a Salvation Army Santa, in addition to a family of tourists from Oklahoma whose kids wanted to meet him. You talked to the principal and a teacher from a Florida elementary school in town on a field trip to perform live on stage with the Radio City Rockettes. And you interviewed a bunch of people standing in line waiting to get into the most overrated toy store in the world. He gestured toward the line across the street, still snaking around the perimeter of F.A.O. Schwartz. So screw the two who wouldn't talk to you. Elizabeth tilted her head to the side as she surveyed her boyfriend and couldn't help but smile up at him. She knew that he was being over-enthusiastic about the fluff interview she had landed already in an attempt to make her feel better, just as she knew that he truly did concur with her mother that she was busting her ass for the website for nothing, but his willingness to do anything to cheer her up and make her feel better about herself, to stroke her confidence, was part of the reason she was in love with him. She must have been staring at him too long, however, for he shifted uncomfortably a moment later and asked, What? Nothing. Elizabeth shook her head before taking a deep breath and admitting, 
I guess I'm just stressed about the possibility of interviewing the president. Which I know is a long shot, she hastened to add, before Noah could even think about bringing her back down to reality. But still, there's a better chance of it happening now than there was this morning when we left the university. Thanks to your detective work, she added with a wink. More like thanks to me blundering into information given out by a man who felt the need to overshare because of the holiday stress bearing down on him. Noah laughed before asking seriously. Do you know what you want to ask her if you get the chance to talk with her? I have a few ideas, Elizabeth admitted, but I'm still mulling them over right now. I figure I'll try to butter her up with a few softballs first, you know, maybe ask her a question about the holidays or something to fit in with the rest of the fluff we've caught on camera today. After all, this is our Christmas Eve show. Noah nodded his understanding before gently pointing out, you know, if you do get the opportunity to talk with her, you may only get a minute or two, so don't spend too much time on the softballs. I know, Elizabeth replied defiantly, not wanting to admit that she hadn't considered that yet. I'll play it by ear if it comes to that. Then, checking her watch, she said, I know it's early, but let's head in the direction of Radio City and stick out a good spot where we can ambush her on her way out of the theater. You may not want to talk so loudly about ambushing the President of the United States at a theater, given what happened the last time that happened in American history. When Elizabeth laughed, Noah checked his watch. But seriously, the show won't even start for another 90 minutes or so. You want to get there now and just wait? I just want to be in the general vicinity. Noticing how nervous his girlfriend appeared, rolling up and down on the balls of her feet, Noah suppressed an exasperated sigh and forced his tired smile onto his face. I think getting there early is a great idea, obviously, but how about we seek out a few more interviews first, huh? Plenty of people around. Elizabeth hesitated for a moment before conceding. Fine, but I want to be outside Radio City by 4.30. Sounds good to me, Noah assured her. Come on, maybe we'll find somebody interesting to talk to down this way. And placing a hand on her shoulder, he began to guide her west toward Columbus Circle. Standing outside of the plaza on the icy sidewalk, Mary insisted that Joey wait there while she brought all of their shopping, the majority of which was hers, upstairs for them. Too chivalrous to allow her to carry all of the bags, however, Joey put up a fight until the woman finally relented and gave him the key to her room, insisting that she'd wait downstairs for him. She was afraid that if she accompanied him upstairs, a man would insist that she lay down and rest for a bit, asserting that she was overexerting her pregnant body. And, though tired, Mary refused to cut the time with her former neighbor short. After all, who knew when they'd see one another again? Thankfully, Joey finally relented. His arms loaded with their shopping, he asked, What room are you staying in? 1225. Joey smirked. Your name is Mary Holiday. You're about to pop out a baby any day now, and you're literally staying in the Christmas room. The cruel irony of my situation is not lost on me, Mary remarked dryly. Just hurry up. She tucked the card key to her room in between two of his fingers. Will do, Merry Christmas, Joey winked at the woman who playfully hit his arm. Hurrying through the crowded lobby of the famous Manhattan Hotel, which is gloriously decked out for the holiday season, he skirted around the enormous Christmas tree erected in the center of it. When he reached the elevator bank at the far end of the room, he was greeted by a feminine-looking elevator porter with fiery red hair and piercing green eyes. 
It looks like somebody's been doing some last-minute Christmas shopping, the porter exclaimed, eyeing the bags in Joey's hands as he called an elevator. I have some last-minute things I need to wrap up before tomorrow as well, he admitted. What floor, he asked as the doors of the elevator slid open and he stepped aside for Joey to step into the box. I think twelve, Joey replied as he warily eyed the enthusiastic man who proceeded to step into the elevator beside him. Room 1225. That's Miss Holiday's room, isn't it? The man asked, surprised, as he pushed the button for the twelfth floor and watched the elevator doors close. You know Mary? Joey asked, taken aback as they began to ascend through the hotel. We had an extremely pleasant chat yesterday evening, the man smiled. You must be her husband. Uh, no. An awkward laugh escaped Joey's lips. Her fiancé? Wrong again. Boyfriend? Just a friend. Ah, I'm sorry, the porter replied. It's just that I noticed the baby bump, and you assumed that men and women couldn't be platonic friends with one another, so I must be the baby daddy because I'm going up to her room. Joey arched an eyebrow. No, it's not that. It's just... Not that it's any of your business, but I'm just running Mary shopping upstairs so that she doesn't have to keep lugging it around the city all day. That's all. Right, the man replied uncertainly. Well, do me a favor and tell Mary that Gabe said hi, would you? Joey eyed the man suspiciously as the elevator slowed to a stop. You don't have a thing for her, do you? Nothing like that, Gabe insisted with a small laugh. I'm just being nice. Although... I don't suppose it would matter to you, would it? You are, after all, just a friend. At the words, Joey felt a sudden desire to punch the elevator porter in his face. You know, he began, annoyed as the door slid open, she's going through a really tough time right now, okay? And I managed to gather that last night, Gabe admitted, stepping out of the box and moving aside to allow Joey room to exit. When I took her upstairs, she looked as though she had been crying. Joey's heart broke at the words as he stepped off of the elevator himself. She probably was, he admitted. Her boyfriend. The story is really none of my business. Gabe held up a polite hand to prevent Joey from explaining anything to him. None of this is. I have a terrible habit of trying to insert myself into the personal lives of clientele when I sense they're feeling troubled. I can't help myself, I guess. He shrugged, gesturing down the hall. Follow me. I'll show you to Miss Holiday's room. As Joey followed the porter down the brightly lit hallway, Gabe continued speaking. It's a habit that I really do need to break, but before I do, do you mind if I give you a piece of advice? Do you have to? Joey asked, causing the man to laugh. I know something, perhaps more than one something, is bothering you as well. Gabe glanced sideways at him surreptitiously. And it's clear from how defensive you got about Mary that you have feelings for the woman. I don't. Romantic or not, you clearly care about her, Gabe interrupted. Just remember that Christmas is the time to tell people how you truly feel, alright? He came to a stop in the middle of the hallway, and Joey followed suit, amazed by the man's candor. There's no better time of the year to do it. You seem like a good guy. You got that from a 30-second elevator ride? Gabe smiled. Mary's lucky to have you around today, considering everything else she's going through, he continued, as though he hadn't been interrupted, and I think you should count yourself lucky that you have Mary around too, since you're clearly going through something of your own as well. Don't we all want somebody like that in our lives? Somebody who's there for you when you're going through the bad times in addition to the good? Joey blinked, stunned by the words. 
Just think about it before it's too late, he added ominously before jerking his head at a door behind him. Room 1225. Joey glanced at the door behind the porter. Thanks, he replied uncertainly. Let me just put this stuff down inside and then I'll tip. Don't worry about it, Gabe winked. Taking my advice is the best tip I could ever receive. Uh-huh, Joey stroked his beard. Let me ask you, do you get this personal with all of the hotel guests? Like I said, Gabe began with a shrug. Bad habit. He turned to walk down the hall before turning to face Joey again. About what I said, though. About telling people how you truly feel about them. Just remember that sometimes actions speak louder than words. And without another word, Gabe turned his back on Joey and hurried toward the elevators again. Joey continued to stare after him until the man was obstructed from view by the sliding elevator doors and on his way down to the hotel lobby once more. Shaking his head, Joey inserted Mary's card key into the slot on the hotel room door and pushed himself into her room. The space was spotless, and Joey surmised the housekeeping must have already come to clean it. Dull winter sunlight flooded in through the windows, the shades of which had been thrown wide open, and he peered out of it at the city beyond, which was becoming increasingly more difficult to see because of the heavily falling snow. Placing all of the shopping down gently in a corner of the room, Joey perched himself on the edge of Mary's bed and let out a loud sigh, gave the porter's final words echoing around his head. Sometimes actions speak louder than words. Well, if that was the case, Joey thought it couldn't be any more crystal clear to Mary that he cared about her. He had spent the whole day up until that point trying to distract her from the worries that were plaguing her, and in the process he had been neglecting his own fears. Now that he was alone, however, they couldn't help but come rushing back to him. What were his parents going to say when they found out he hadn't been working for half a year? When they found out that Liliana had broken off their engagement. And more importantly, what was he going to do when he flew back to California after the holidays and had to start rebuilding his life again from scratch? Joey reached into his pocket of his jeans and withdrew Lily's engagement ring, which he had forgotten about until that very moment. Examining it in the dull light that was illuminating the room, he couldn't help but wonder if she'd still be with him had he been able to afford a bigger diamond. For a moment, he considered calling her to ask, before quickly pushing that thought from his mind when he remembered that it wasn't the size of the diamond that made her call off their engagement, but his own lack of drive and purpose. He assumed that he could have literally been engaged to any other woman, and every single engagement would have ended the same way, with him being dumped. As he studied the ring, he briefly considered what it would look like on Mary's finger, as he thought back to what they had talked about during their carriage ride through Central Park. What would have happened if they had ever dated back in high school? Would they have lasted through college? Would they be married right now? Engaged? They had grown up their whole lives being teased by their mothers that one day they'd be together and have the stereotypical white picket fenced house, the two and a half kids, and a dog. Had either of them had the courage to ask the other out in their youth, or the strength to fight for their friendship when they had begun drifting apart, he wondered whether they'd be together right now. Their lives could have potentially ended up so differently. Joey couldn't dwell too long on what might have been, though, because at that moment his phone began to ring, tearing him from his thoughts. Removing it from his pocket, he brought it up to his ear. Hello? You're going to kill me, Ryan's voice responded. What's wrong? I have to work late tonight, Ryan explained, sounding annoyed. My whole department's being forced to stay. We have to finish this project before we break up for Christmas. At the words, Joey felt his heart leap for joy. That's all right, he said quickly. Do what you have to do. I'm so 
pissed, Ryan continued. I probably won't get out until about 6.30, which means you probably won't make it back to Bayside until 8 at the earliest. Your mom's going to kill me if we show up late for her Christmas Eve party. Joey laughed. My mom's party doesn't even start until 7, so I'll only be a little late, he reassured his friend. Relax. Besides, it gives me more time to push off the inevitable and figure out how to break my double dose of bad news to my parents. Is that what you've been doing with your day? Dwelling on the inevitable? Actually, Joey hesitated, unsure of whether or not he should confess to his best friend how he had been spending his day so far. I've... Uh... I've been spending the day with Mary Holiday. Mary Holiday? Ryan repeated. From high school? Yep. The one who climbed through your bedroom window that one Christmas Eve? That's the one. I thought you guys hadn't spoken in years, Ryan replied, sounding confused. We haven't. Then how the hell? It's a long story. Then give me the Cliff Notes version of it before my break ends. Joey sighed softly. She flew back into town for Christmas and her boyfriend dumped her last night, despite the fact that she's nine months pregnant. Anyway, she's spending the day in the city waiting for Natalie to get off work to drive her back to Bayside, and we randomly ran into one another and decided to while away the hours together, waiting for you guys to get off work so we could get home. Natalie from high school? Ryan asked, suddenly sounding much more interested. Hernandez? The hot one? The very same, Joey replied, though I have no idea what she looks like now. Oh, also, you know how I have a lot of news to break to my parents? Turns out, Mary has a lot to break to hers as well. They don't even know she had a boyfriend to break up with, let alone that she's expecting a baby any day now. So, yeah, we're doing the opposite of dwelling on the inevitable. We're distracting ourselves from dwelling and choosing to focus on delaying. A long, protracted silence followed Joey's statement. Finally, Ryan let out a long breath, which sounded like a hiss in his friend's ear. <sighs> wow, just... Wow. Remember how your parents used to joke that you two were made for each other? Maybe they were right. You're both messed up. Joey laughed. You're telling me. Seriously, though, Ryan continued. What exactly is this? Like, are you two considering today a date? Or, my fiancé broke up with me, and she was just dumped by her boyfriend and is about to become a single mother, Joey interrupted, exasperated. What do you think? Well then, do you want it to be a date? Ryan asked. I don't know, Joey admitted. We haven't talked in a decade, we're just catching up. I mean, it's nice, don't get me wrong, but I have no idea whether or not we even have much in common anymore. We haven't really talked about our interests very much. Well, maybe you should, Ryan suggested. But even if we did have a lot in common, I still don't know if I'd want to rush into anything, you know? And even if I did, who's to say that she'd want to? Fair enough, Ryan conceded. But like... Are you two going to at least try to foster a friendship now? I mean, I want to, Joey began, and she definitely seems open to the idea too, but I don't know. I really don't know. We'll see, I guess. We're just spending the day together and getting over similar traumas. I don't want to assume anything at the minute. Probably for the best, Ryan said. You know what they say about assuming things? Joey laughed. I do, and I've made an ass out of myself too many times in the past to keep doing it. Look, man, I have to get back to my desk, but I'll call you when I get off work so that we can meet up. Have fun with Mary. I'll see you later, Jerry replied before hanging up the phone. 
Glancing out of the window again, it suddenly hit him how long he had kept Mary waiting, and he jumped off the bed quickly and hurried for the hotel room door. Mary shivered as she pulled her coat more tightly around her where she stood on the sidewalk in front of the plaza, waiting for Joey to emerge as she scrunched up her face against the heavily falling snow. What the hell was taking him so long? Her baby kicked her hard at the moment, causing Mary to place a reassuring hand on her swollen belly. Shh, she cooed. It's all right. Her reassurances rang hollow in her ears, however, for she wasn't sure if anything was alright. She was still dreading talking to her parents that evening, still upset that her baby would grow up without knowing its biological father, and still uncertain about what the hell was happening between her and Joey, or whether anything should be happening between them at all. She was a basket case of hormones and emotion. It was no wonder she felt as though she were constantly on the brink of crying. Luckily, she was shaken from her reverie when a gentle, kind voice sounded from behind her. Excuse me, miss? Mary turned around to find herself face to face with Santa Claus, or at least a man dressed as Santa Claus. She assumed he had been collecting money for the Salvation Army, for he was holding a bucket full of change and a golden bell in one hand. What she was most drawn to, however, was the man's face. Squinting, she asked, Aren't you the same Santa Claus from Macy's? There's only one Santa Claus, the man replied, his eyes twinkling. Mary nodded appreciatively as she took in his appearance, marveling over it. The red suit looked absolutely royal, yet ancient and used, while the beard and belly were clearly real and not part of a costume. I have to hand it to you, she began. You make a great Santa. Sorry about the kiss earlier, she added, feeling slightly guilty. I had a bet with a friend. I have no idea what you're talking about, Santa replied, bemused. I was just standing over there collecting money for charity. He shook his bucket full of change as he motioned down the street behind him. I do, however, want to ask you something. He glanced covertly around a passerby, dropping his voice ever so slightly. Christmas Eve is the busiest day and night of the year for me. As I'm sure you can imagine, I have so much to do still. Make sure everything gets loaded into my sleigh and ensure the reindeer are all rested before tonight. Mary laughed. Is this like one of those performances at Disney World, where the people in costume don't have a bright character, even when talking to the adult who knows they're not talking to the real Mickey Mouse? I was gifted these two tickets, the old man continued patiently, as though he hadn't been interrupted. He reached within his heavy red coat and pulled out the tickets in question. They're to the three o'clock performance of the Radio City Christmas Spectacular, and unfortunately I won't be able to attend. Do you mind taking them off my hands? Wicked, Mary widened her eyes. I love that show. I've never seen it on Christmas Eve before. Trust me, it's something special, Santa winked at her. Are you an undercover cop? Mary narrowed her eyes suspiciously trying to catch people willing to buy scalp tickets. Santa let out a hearty laugh, a legitimate ho-ho-ho that took Mary by surprise. My dear, I want to give these to you as a gift. I'm not expecting you to pay for them. What's the catch? Mary asked as her baby gave another excited kick. No catch, the old man insisted. I don't want anything in return. All I want is for someone to take these tickets from me and to have a good time, he shrugged. Maybe you can take someone special, a friend who needs cheering up, perhaps. He held out the tickets for Mary to take. Mary eyed them closely for a moment. 
thinking of how much Joey had already done for her that day, and thinking that this would be a perfect way to repay him. Hesitantly, she took the tickets from the old man, as though expecting them to explode the moment her fingers touched them. When it became clear that there was no catch, she flashed him a smile. Well, cheers, Santa. I appreciate it. Tis the season for giving, Santa assured her. Have a Merry Christmas. As Mary watched Santa walk away, her baby continued to kick with excited persistence until she called out, Wait! Santa stopped in his tracks and turned to stare at her politely. Laughing at herself, Mary slowly hobbled to meet him. I know you're not the real Santa, she began. I know there's no such thing, and I feel stupid for asking, but... She took a deep breath. On the off chance that you are the real Santa Claus, or, you know, you know him or something, just tell him that all I want for Christmas is to know that everything is going to be okay. I... I just want some sign that I can do this. She patted her stomach. Santa Claus smiled kindly at her, his bright blue eyes twinkling. I have no doubt that you can do it, but I'll make sure to pass the message along. Thank you. Mary felt a sense of relief wash over her despite feeling stupid for voicing her one Christmas wish aloud to a grown man walking around pretending to be Santa Claus. As the man in question walked away, she stared down at the tickets in her hand and smiled to herself. The Radio City Christmas Spectacular was always, well, spectacular. She hadn't seen the show in years and was looking forward to seeing it again with Joey, who loved it just as much as she did. Taking him was the least she could do to repay him for keeping her company that day. Almost as though he could sense that she was thinking about him, Joey exited the main entrance of the plaza at that very moment and hurried over to where the pregnant woman was standing. Sorry I took so long. You better not have been taking a shit in my hotel room, Mary warned, eliciting a laugh from the man. Too late, he joked. No, I got held up by one of the elevator porters, and then Ryan called me. Anyway... He shook his head and forced a smile onto his face. Sorry. It's fine, don't worry about it. Noticing the tickets in the woman's hand, Joey asked, What are those? Oh, nothing. Mary shrugged innocently. Only tickets to the 3 p.m. performance of the Radio City Christmas Spectacular. No way, Joey exclaimed, grabbing the tickets from her hands excitedly. How did you get these? Where... It doesn't matter, Mary waved aside his concern. The point is, I got them. I was going to ask Natalie to come, she joked, but I figured that you'd probably appreciate it more. You figured right, Joey laughed, checking his watch. We should have just enough time to visit the tree and maybe do a few laps around the ice rink before showtime. Mary rolled her eyes as the two of them started down the snowy street, side by side. I already told you I'm not ice skating. You say that now, Joey teased before remembering something. By the way, Gabe says hi. Is that the porter that held you up? Mary laughed. Well, that explains a lot. He's a weird guy, isn't he? Mary nodded her head. Extremely weird. Gets way too personal. But he's nice enough, I guess. Pretty hot, too. She winked, giggling at Joey's barely concealed jealousy before changing the subject as the two walked down the snowy street in the direction of Rockefeller Center. Mm -hmm. 
I hope you all enjoyed this week's chapter of Another Christmas Story. Despite my horrific English accent that I put on when reading Mary, I use the term accent loosely. It was more of a throaty, high-pitched whisper or something. I don't know. But at least you should have been able to distinguish her voice from Joey's, right? <laughs> Despite the accent, though, seriously, I really do hope you enjoyed this installment. Next week, we get back to guest readers who are far more talented with the voices than I am. I know I say it every week, but I am continuously in awe of the talent that we've amassed to bring my little story to life. And I'm continuously in awe that so many of you tune in week in and week out to see where this story is going. It means so much to me, and I appreciate each and every one of you more than you know. So please keep the feedback coming, and please, if you're enjoying the story, consider sharing it with your family and friends on your social media feeds, while tagging streaming services like Hallmark and Netflix and Hulu, because, you know, we want to get it in front of as many ears as possible, or as many eyes as the case may be, because the text of each chapter you hear is made available on our website, each and every week as well. So if reading is more of your thing or more of their thing, they can read our weekly installments at www.tisapodcast.com. And if you enjoy Tisa Podcast proper, if you ever want to comment on a movie or television show we discuss, give us feedback on a specific episode, comment on this book, or just interact with us and other listeners of the show in general, check out our social media feeds. All you have to do to get to each one is go to www.tisapodcast.com slash Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, or Facebook group. Our Facebook group is by far the most active and the most fun of all of our social media pages. It's busy year-round and not just with Christmas chatter, although that is obviously our primary focus. There's plenty of talk about pop culture, comic books, movies, TV shows, memes, and other holidays as well, especially the other Burr Month holidays we all know and love, like Halloween and Thanksgiving, that lead up to Christmas itself. It's also kind of become a one-stop shop for many of the Christmas podcasts that you know and love on the Christmas Podcast Network. So not only will you find new episodes of Tissa Podcast there and get to interact with Julia, Tom, and myself there, but you'll also find new episodes of Totally Rad Christmas, Christmas Clatter, TGI Podcast, A Cozy Christmas Podcast, Advent Calendar House Podcast, Planning for Christmas Podcast, Christmas Conversations, all of your favorites posted there as well. And find all of the hosts of said shows you know and love on the web website too. Always willing to interact with anyone and everyone about anything. It's truly a mini Christmas family that's formed within that Facebook group. And I say it every week. I'm going to keep saying it because it's a God's honest truth. I know it is a thing that has sprouted out of this podcast that Julia, Tom, and myself are most proud of. We love the little community we've built. It has truly become a family. And if you want more bonus episodes of Tissa Podcast, Christmas cards, enamel pins, ringtones, etc., check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash Podcast or www.tissapodcast.com slash Patreon. For as little as $1 per month, you can get full-length bonus episodes of the show. We have been dropping about one Patreon episode per week the past few months. It's really been a hive of bonus episodes come the burr months you'll you might get two per week around halloween because we've been doing so much backlog of horror movie content lots of great stuff coming up i know i still owe some of you stickers and enamel pins some of y'all have reached out to me saying as much and i appreciate that they have been put in the mail 
Some of you have not reached out to Mace, but please do, because it's hard to keep track of who we already sent everything to. So message us on Facebook or Instagram, Twitter, or email us at elves at tisapodcast.com, anywhere, so we can get what we owe you out to you as soon as possible. And there are other ways to help the podcast besides subscribing to Patreon and engaging with us and sharing our social media pages. You can help the show in a free way by leaving us reviews on iTunes, because every new review helps new listeners to find us and helps us to spread the Christmas cheer 365 days per year. As I said at the start of this episode, there will be no new episode dropping in your main feeds on Monday, June 28th, because life got in the way. However, we will pill a once-exclusive Patreon episode and drop it in your main feeds, because we want to give y'all something. So for patrons, it may not be new content, but for the majority of y'all, it will be. I can't say what episode we're going to drop yet, because I don't know, but keep your eyes on your feeds for that. And tomorrow, it's Leon Day. It is halfway to Christmas. So, of course, keep your eyes open for a bonus episode that'll drop in your main feeds tomorrow, in which Julia, Tom, and myself will be covering the 2014 made-for-TV musical stop-motion animated movie Elf, Buddy's Musical Christmas. We've been putting this one off for a while. I don't think either myself or Julia have seen it. I'm not sure if Tom has. We've been putting it off because Elf is obviously the number one on our list. It's the movie we love the most, so we've been a bit wary to visit this one. But we thought this might be a fun one to visit for the halfway to Christmas mark. So keep your eyes on your podcast feeds tomorrow for that episode. Next Tuesday, June 29th, Tom, Julia, and myself will be recording an episode in which we speak about the I Love Lucy Christmas special, along with... Christmas with the Adams Family. So we're traveling back in time to cover two Christmas episodes of two classic television shows, and that should be a lot of fun, because I know all three of us are fans of those shows. I know a lot of our listeners are, so we'll have a good time geeking out over those, I'm sure. And make sure to check your main podcast feeds next Thursday, July 1st. Can you believe we're going to be in July already next week for chapter 22 of another Christmas story entitled Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer, which Jay of the always amazing film strip podcast will be reading to y'all. And I can guarantee you he has a much better reading voice than I do. So lots of exciting stuff coming up over the next few weeks, but the most exciting news we have for y'all is that if you are listening to this episode today, the day it drops, June 24th, we only have 184 days until Christmas. Like I said earlier, tomorrow, June 25th, is Leon Day, the official halfway point, the official there are only six months until Christmas point of the year. It's our first huge milestone of the summer. July's right around the corner, which means Hallmark will be playing their Christmas movies nonstop for a month. It means Hallmark stores will be allowing the first batch of keepsake ornaments to go on display for purchase. Once we're past the 4th of July, the back-to-school stuff starts going up in stores, followed by fall and Halloween stuff. August, Starbucks and Dunkin' Donuts bring back their pumpkin spice lattes and other seasonal drinks. And then before you know it, we're in September 
We're officially in the Burr months. So it is all downhill from here. We are in the back half of the year, officially, as of tomorrow. And while Julia, Tom, and myself love doing this podcast year-round, the back half of the year, when we're on the official downward slope toward the most wonderful time of the year, really rejuvenates us and gets us excited and is our favorite time of the year to be doing this podcast and engaging with y'all. So we have so much to look forward to in this back half of the year. We are so excited to spend it with y'all, and we hope that you're just as excited to spend it with us. And I'll tell you now, because I forgot to mention it earlier, Christmas in July is coming up in a month from tomorrow, and we have something really fun planned for Christmas in July which will be a collaboration of sorts with a bunch of other Christmas podcast hosts and hosts of other podcasts and listeners you've heard us talk about and have heard as guest stars on the show. So that's really exciting. We can't wait for y'all to hear that. So once again, thank you all for your love and support. We couldn't ask for better listeners in the world than all of you. You're truly the best. We're so lucky that we get to consider all of you legitimate friends and a large chunk of y'all family. So, do your homework. Watch Elf Buddy's Musical Christmas. Watch the I Love Lucy Christmas special. Watch Christmas with the Addams Family. And get excited, because Christmas is going to be here before you know it. Buckle in and enjoy the ride. Because I promise y'all, now that we're passing the halfway point of the year, it's going to go fast. So, until tomorrow, bye y'all. Just hear those sleigh bells jingling, ring, ting, tingling, too. Come on, it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with you. Outside this snow is falling and friends are calling you. Come on, it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with you. Giddy-yap, 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 let's go. Let's look at the show We're riding in a wonderland of snow Giddy-yap, giddy-yap, giddy-yap It's grand just holding your hand We're gliding along with a song of a wintry fairyland Our cheeks are nice and rosy and comfy cozy Are we? We're snuggled up together like two birds of a feather would be let's take that road before us and sing a chorus or two come on it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with you